This is Pack Center. How are we doing, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Austin Paschke, your host. To my right is our co-host, Tyler Seth. How are you doing today, Tyler? Solid, man. I'm solid. Great week of sports for oh, Pack. Best weekend ever. I think this might be the best weekend we have ever had as um, not in the entire history of Pack Sports, but I mean, it's definitely this year, the start of the season, this has been the best week for Pack Sports. We have the Pack Player of the Week that we're going to break down to start the episode. Then we have volleyball. We have football's amazing win over 24th ranked SDSU. We have women's basketball that is playing on Saturday, but we're going to recap their game on Saturday, last Saturday against Sac State. And then we have men's basketball as well. We're going to recap their win against LMU. We are going to preview their game tonight against UT Arlington. Predict how that one's going to go. It's going to be up to the wire. It's going to be, we're probably going to release it around 6. And then the game's at 7, so it's going to be a quick preview, quick to get you guys familiar with this team. And then we're going to see how that game's going to go. Stay tuned, guys. Stay with us. We're back, ready to rock and roll. Let's start off with Pack Player of the Week, man. That that was might be the biggest storyline all weekend. Oh, easily. An historic Pack Player of the Week for sure. Before this week, we had about, I think, 70 votes. Was our the most yeah, votes like we 74, had? 74, 75, somewhere. And there. we were stoked. We were like, 70, 74 votes. We were, we were ready to make things happen. Like we were like, oh, oh yeah. This is this is ready to go. I think but, that was the first one too, right? But this week, 200 and what was that 37 37 votes for this week's pack player of the week and obviously we broke it on twitter yesterday we didn't do the we didn't release the episode yesterday we didn't even do an episode yesterday in observance for veterans day thank you all that have served but it did end on veterans day and taking 60 what was that 65 percent of the votes of the 237 was lindsey drew Absolutely huge week this week. Definitely deserved it. He had, I think, 15 rebounds, 15 assists, 50-something points over the first two games. I mean, he was everywhere at every time, so definitely well-deserved to Lindsey Drew for getting packed player of the week. We'll see who can win this week and see who played the best and who will, who will get their shot. Also, all three of our nominees were Mountain got Mountain West awards this week. Yep. Essence Booker got Mountain West Women's Basketball Player of the Week. Lindsey Drew got Mountain West Men's Player Basketball Player of the Week. And then Sam, um, what is it, Hammond got Defensive Player of the Week from the Mountain West. Yep. So either we can tell the future or the Mountain West goes off of our picks. And I think it's the latter. Yeah, I think the Mountain West is definitely keen in on something we're doing here and is kind of impressed. So if we get a call from them shortly, we'll let you guys know for sure. Yeah, I think the commissioner is one, probably one of the people voting. And so he sees our polls, and he's like, you know what? These three did very well in their game, so let's just give them all to Wolfpack. You know what the big question is, though? Who do you vote for? Probably Lindsey Drew. Yeah, probably Lindsey yeah, Drew. Probably Lindsey Drew. But, I mean, so I think that they're keen off of our votes and making the awards. But either way, a great week for Pack players. I mean, Essence Booker going off in the uh, two games that they played. Obviously, Lindsey Drew doing what he did. And then Sam uh, Hammond just absolutely going off in his Game against SDSU, a huge game that we'll be able to recap in a little bit. But moving on to volleyball. Nevada volleyball program is now 17-9, and 7-7 in conference on the year after picking up a three-set sweep over Air Force Falcons. 
The set scores were 25-20, 25-20, and 25-23. We still sit fifth in the Mountain West. Huge game coming up Thursday night, though, against third place UNLV, the Little Brothers down south. In our last four games to close out the season, three of them are against the top three teams. So huge games coming down the stretch. Definitely going to end the season with some high-meaning, just true, truly hard competition. And, you know, see how we can do to end this season. But it starts on Thursday against UNLV. And the great play started last weekend against the Air Force Falcons. Just some names that kind of stood out. Kayla Foa, Brianna Souza led the pack with 10 kills, while Killy Robbins had 9, Cassie McGill had 7, Sydney Peterson had 5. Nevada tallied a .255 hitting percentage along with a .387 kill percentage. We held the Falcons to a .155 hitting percentage and a .371 kill percentage. Defense was huge in this game. Well, Pack outblocked the Falcons 8-4 with Peterson, surprise, surprise, leading the way with five assists by herself. Robbins recorded a solo block along with an assist on the afternoon. Sydney Peterson, though, was very impressive this weekend, so impressive that she won the Wolfpack Student Athlete of the Week Award by the university. She just narrowly got squeaked out for Pack Player of the Week by... Obviously, Essence Booker, Sam Hammond, and Lindsey Drew, but she had a great week, got Student Athlete of the Week by the university. Just a great honor. She definitely deserved this one. Peterson started all the sets in the matches and recorded a .344 hitting percentage, going 12 of 32 with an average of 1.5 kills per set. She was everywhere at all times. The Washington native dominated on the defensive front, posting 13 blocks with three solo blocks in the match against San Jose State Spartans. I think that was Tuesday. And then uh, Peterson averaged 1.62 blocks per set on the week to add to her already 1.41 per set average on the season. The freshman leads the team in blocks along with being ranked second in the Mountain West for blocks and blocks per set. I think now is a great time to remind them that she's a freshman. Yeah. She's a true freshman. And she's on our team. And she's a stud. And she is amazing. And she's going to be able to keep doing it for this team for another three years after that, which is kind of crazy. Looking ahead, like we said, we have UNLV on Thursday at 7 in Las Vegas. So we'll be able to watch on the Mountain West Network. This game might turn out to be one of the biggest games of the season it means a lot for seeding, and it means a lot for the Mountain West Conference. I mean, if we beat them, I'm pretty sure we'll, we might be able to jump them into third or fourth, which is huge going into the end of the season. Like we said, we have huge games coming up. The easy part of the conference schedule is out of the way. We have a gauntlet to end the season, and we'll be able to see how they do. We'll be able to recap all those games for you. Let's talk about some football, though. Oh, yeah. Because this may or may not be the biggest game Nevada football has had since the Miracle at Mackey in 2010. It has to be. Yeah, it's up there. Yeah. It's up there. I mean, this game was huge, not only for the season implications. I knew we had to win two more to safely secure a bowl or bowl spot. I thought those two were going to come from Fresno and UNLV. And now that we squeaked out the San Diego State win, that puts us in the driver's seat. We can still win the West. I mean, this game had so many implications that we won. It was just... It was absolutely crazy. I did not think we had a chance. I'm going to be the first one to say I was so wrong on my prediction. I literally, I didn't even call it a prediction on Thursday, on Friday. I said yeah. that it was a lock that we're going to lose. And they proved me wrong. 
Maybe they were playing our podcast in the locker room before the game. To Just get that, that little yeah. clip on repeat right. over and over and over. To get them over. fired up. But, I mean, I was wrong. I mean, we both were. It yeah. was, I mean, it was a great game. Uh, first win over a ranked opponent on the road. SDSU was ranked 24th in the AP poll. Fifth win ever against a ranked team. First since, obviously, the miracle at Mackey in 2010 against Boise. Six and four, we are now on this the year. Bowl eligible, even though seven wins obviously cements that spot. There's going to be so many Mountain West teams that get a bowl spot. Six is kind of... Yeah, it's eh. pushing it. Right, it's pushing a little bit. So seven wins would be obviously way more comfortable. Two more games left. We have a bye this week, but then after that, we're at Fresno and then returning home for that season. Concluder against UNLV, those little brothers are coming up here to hopefully get smacked around by their big bros and, you know, put them into place like we always like to do. But like I said, we were, we were horribly wrong. It was a great game on Saturday, great win. The team desperately needed that. People are off. Jay, Jay Norvell's back. I mean, it was just, it was literally the best situation that could happen on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, it was the perfect time to be wrong uh, in predictions. I think, not to toot my own horn or anything, but I think that was the first wrong football prediction I've had all season. That That so, is definitely tuning your own yeah, horn. But I yes. gotta, I, no one else is going to do it. Right. I got to do it for myself. Exactly. No, but the the boys came out. They played. The defense really stood up. We talked about this off air. Um, probably some of the best secondary play we've seen all season. Yep. Um, I put it even above the Purdue game at the oh, second yeah. half of the Purdue game. Yep. I thought our secondary was played outstanding. Daniel Brown, obviously, with that interception. Yep. And then our offense just did what they needed to do, and we came out with the win. It's a really good look for this Nevada football team as we move forward. I think this could spring us into closing out the last two games. I mean, Fresno is obviously going to be a tough one. UNLV is no pushover in a rivalry game. Uh, who knows what energy they're going to bring to Mackey. But this really sets us up nicely for a seven-win season and maybe even an eight-win season if we can close it out. But, yeah, Saturday, I think, shocked everyone in attendance and probably some Nevada fans as well Definitely. taking that win. But it was yeah, it was a huge one for us, for sure. I think defense should be what we spend the entire episode talking about today because – Dare I throw around the E-word? No. I don't like throwing around the E-word. I <laughs> I hate it. But they leave me no choice. This defense, gosh darn it, is elite. This defense is an elite Mountain West defense. Try to prove me wrong. Go to Twitter. Tweet at us. This defense is elite. Just, I mean, some names to point out. Obviously, Sam Hammond got Mountain West Defensive Player of the Week. Four solo tackles, five assisted tackles, nine total tackles, one tackle for a loss, one sack everywhere at all times, just absolutely killing it. Gabe Sewell had nine total tackles as well, one tackle for a loss. Tyson Williams seems to bring the hat on every single play. He drives downfield, eight tackles. Austin Arnold, seven tackles. I mean, this team just absolutely went off. Lawson Hall, who has been consistently stepping yeah. up and just filling that linebacker void he had half a tackle for a loss, assisted on that, assisted on a sack. He was just everywhere. This defense shut down this offense, and granted, it wasn't the best offense we're going to see. So, I mean, it wasn't the biggest test. Yeah. But they, I mean, they stepped up. They bailed us out. They made this game winnable, and then it allowed the offense, who we'll talk about in a little bit, to kind of get comfortable and score the points when needed. And then, you know, we the rest kind of was history. I think it was one of the best games we've played in a very long time. I'd say it was over the Purdue game. It was just... It was something about this game that we haven't seen. It was it was more like this team fought and clawed and nailed for this win. And it was obviously we've seen them fight before, but it seemed like they really, really cared about this game. And it was good for the fans to be like, you know what, this team got slapped around a little bit in the beginning of the season, but now 
it seems like they're ready to kind of turn it on, and they're turning it on exactly the right moment. Yeah, to that point of the fans, I feel like, like you said, it's kind of, oh, this team actually still cares about the season. They want to, you know, keep winning games against a good, very good San Diego State team that was looking to kind of run away with the West, and now we've made it really, really interesting with our super long scenario that has to happen for us yeah, to we'll, we'll win the West. Exactly. Yeah, that we'll get to, but yeah, like you said, our defense, I mean, i don't think there's been a better defensive performance this season. I don't think there will be. I think that that was the peak, as the Mountain West likes to say, of our defensive play. And it was just amazing to watch. I only really got to watch live from about the middle of the third quarter onward. And even that was just a pleasure to watch, you know, down in the ball game, trying to come back, trying to move the ball around through the air and on the ground, as they usually do. And our defense just stepping up time and time again. It was an awesome thing to see. And Something that I think a lot of people have been waiting for for a very long time. Grit. I love it. I think that they proved that they have the utmost grit. They like to preach it day in and day out. But they got grit. They fought for this one. I mean, it wasn't the most fun game to watch. It was, I think, 3-3 after... might have been at half. It was 3-3 at half. And then they scored... And then we obviously scored the 14 in the second half. They scored the 10. But... In Rocky Long's era, their head coach, the Aztecs were 50-1 and when holding their opponents to 17 points or less prior to Saturday night. And we gave them that second loss. We got, it was obviously we won 17-10. Low scoring game, like we said, you guys, if you're betters, we gave you a lock. We literally said bet the under and it happened, under hit. But, I mean, we kept them to under, just about under 300 yards. Stepped up in crunch time when we needed it, though. The big thing was how many times they punted the ball. I mean, they punted the ball six times. I think we punted the ball four times. But and we'll, while we're transitioning to offense a little bit, I mean, it was kind of up to our offense to, to give our defense a break, and they finally did that. We talked about so much about how good our defense is, but how often they're on the field. I mean, it's hard to be a really elite defense and you're on the field for 75% of the game when our offense goes three, three and out. And I think our offense did a great job at kind of setting up our defense for success and allowing them to get rest, get break, perform at their highest level. And I think this is a testament how our offense has come along. I think Jay Norvell kind of taking over the play calling a little bit more is helping us out a lot. But this is an elite defense that we scored 17 points against. And I'm glad about how Carson looked and just the overall offense in general. Yeah, I think your point about the defense kind of giving our offense, you know, not having to push them to make drives at that certain moment. Right. I think that freedom uh, was kind of what gave us a big advantage in this game, especially with a redshirt freshman, Carson, yeah. at quarterback, playing his first time playing in San Diego. It's a very tough environment mm-hmm. down there. Uh, their fans get loud. It's a big stadium. A little intimidating to look at, but I think, you know, he did play good. I mean, 19 for 26, a buck 47, a touchdown. He did have an interception, but just one interception. Uh, the turnover margin, like we talked about mm-hmm. uh, last episode, was kind of one of the things that we harped on that if we really want to pull this upset you know we're gonna have to really take care of the ball and make them turn over the ball a lot and we did that on offense we took care of the ball pretty well I mean the run stats weren't really there but Carson you know did what he needed to do in this offense kind of did what they needed to do to win the game and that's I think going to be a theme kind of going forward is having our defense really step up and you know giving our offense some opportunities to drive the ball but not putting so much pressure on them where you know they have to score this drive they have to get points on this drive um, it kind of, you know, frees them up and kind of makes them relax a little bit more. And Carson's not the only one that had a good day throwing the ball. 
Elijah Cooks came in for a trick play that was pretty nice to watch in the fourth quarter and threw a ball, 50-yard pass to O'Leary Orange, and that really set us up for, I mean, a scoring drive, huge, huge play. To beat a ranked team and to pull off an upset, you really have to have some tricks up your sleeve, and that was a great play to have. It worked to perfection. What surprised me the most was how much we ran the ball, though. I mean, this team was ranked top three, top five in run defense. We ran the ball 28 times, but it showed that they had a top run defense. Yeah. We we only had 29 yards against one of the best run defenses in the entire country. Devontae Lee had his third touchdown of the year. He didn't really do that well in the game, though. Toa and Ben Putman led the team in receptions with four, but the yards were evenly split out between pretty much everyone. O'Leary Orange had one reception, obviously for that 50-yard bomb by Elijah Cooks. Dubs had 42 yards. Fossum, who left the game with a pretty serious injury, had 30 yards. And then from there, it just kind of goes down. It was just a really even day from everyone. It's kind of cool seeing that kind of productivity from everyone in the game. We didn't run the ball that much. Toa did not run the ball that much. Devontae Lee, who's kind of coming into his own. I mean, he's he's a solid, solid red zone back. I mean, he might be the best red zone back in the entire conference. But looking ahead, this kind of set us up to win the West. I mean, not not so well, but I mean, there's a shot. And if we went out, we're in the driver's seat. And that's kind of crazy because when we want, when we lost, when we got smacked by Hawaii, when we were losing to Wyoming, and then it was just... It didn't look like we even had a shot. And now we have to beat Fresno and UNLV. Both can be done. If we play well and our defense steps up against Fresno, Fresno's obviously going to be the harder game of the two, but we can win. We could step up and win. We also have to hope that SDSU loses one more game against either Fresno or Hawaii. And then Hawaii has to lose one more as well, either against UNLV or SDSU. So hopefully this is what I'm thinking. SDSU loses against Fresno, and then Hawaii loses against San Diego State, and then we beat Fresno in the UNLV. We'll be tied with SDSU, but we obviously we win the tiebreak. Exactly, because of what happened on Saturday. Do you see that happening? I mean, it can happen. I mean, yeah, it can happen. I could, I could see in, yeah, I could see Hawaii losing to SDSU for sure. Right. And then the SDSU loss is the one that kind of scares me because they play Fresno. Right. And then I think that they will beat Hawaii, so they have to lose to Fresno. Exactly. In my scenario in my head. Right. And um, I don't know if that's going to be I don't, something yes, that happens. I don't know if that happens, but. It is Mountain West football. We saw um, we saw a tight game between Utah State and Fresno State. Yeah. Um, I mean, last Saturday, San Jose State kept it close to Boise State. Anything can happen in the Mountain yeah. West. So we've seen we've seen these upsets before, and it definitely it's good that it opens up the door for us. At definitely. least we have that you know ray of light mm-hmm. that kind of would pave our way to uh, a West berth, and then probably playing the Broncos in the Mountain West Championship. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be interesting. I I mean I could see it happening, but. The likelihood isn't that good, but again, the likelihood that we beat San Diego State last Saturday wasn't, wasn't that good either. So, you, and we saw what happened there. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, going at, we're at six wins right now. The chance of maybe win eight and totaling the wins from last year would be absolutely huge. It would be amazing and be a great win because no one, when we were four and four, with the remainder of the schedule looking like this, thought that we were going to pull out this kind of season. And we have two more games to prove it. I think we are going to do it. We have a bye this week, so no preview come Friday and no recap come next Monday. But once that, you know, that following Friday comes around, that Friday before Fresno State, we'll be able to give you guys that preview as well. All in all, an amazing, amazing weekend from 
pack football as they, you know, really start playing their best football as this conference season starts ending, and that is great. You want to play your best football going into bowl season. But looking ahead, we got women's basketball. Sac State was a great game to watch. We were down early, and then we came back, really showed the fight of this team. Shows what they're about, really, in this Amanda Levins era, and they're, they're about winning, they're about fighting. 83-72, to 72, we beat Sac State. We are off to our first 2-0 start since the 2013-14 season. Zero threes in this game from the pack, which was kind of weird, but we found other ways to produce. We doubled our rebound total from St. Mary's. We had 28 in that St. Mary's game, 56 against Sac State. And then Essence Booker happened against Sac State. She kind of had not the best of the first half, but I mean, when the second half came around, she exploded. For the first time in her career, she has been named Mountain West Player of the Week. Booker was clutch in leading Nevada to the two wins during the opening week of the 2019-20 season and got the Wolfpack off to its first 2-0 start, like we said, since 2013-14. For the week, she led the pack in scoring each game, averaged 19 points per game, 5.5 rebounds per contest, and was extremely efficient on offense, shooting 52% from the field. It seemed like she couldn't miss when she got into rhythm of things. She really took over that offense, commanded the entire team, and I think as a sophomore, that is huge for her to do. We have the link down low in Marguerite Effa. We have some kind of pieces to go along with Essence Booker that can make us very, very good. And I think Essence Booker taking control of that offense and really taking control and just saying, you know, this is my team. I'm going to I'm gonna control the offense and I'm going to score whenever I want. And she really proved that this the opening week. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's something we talked about even after the game, the Jessup game. It was uh, when Essence came off the bench, we were all kind of confused after right. seeing what she was doing on the court. I mean, just the way she handles the ball, the way she makes decisions, and then the way she can just pull up and step back. Uh, in the mid-range game is something really special. So uh, it's really good to see this all coming back to her in the St. Mary's game and then in the Sac State game as well. Definitely. She had a career high of 17 points over St. Mary's, only to break that four days later as she had 21 points against Sacramento State, the first 20-point game of her career. I don't think it's going to be her last, that is for sure. She also added 11 rebounds, including a career-high six against the Hornets. The Las Vegas native shot over 40% from beyond the arc, hitting three threes against St. Mary's, and was perfect from the free-throw line, knocking down nine of nine against Sacramento State. Booker added five assists and three steals to her week as well, absolutely doing everything for the pack as she kind of cements herself as maybe this MVP of this team, and she can kind of just do everything. She's all over the court at once. Sac State, that was a great game that we saw on Saturday. Besides Essence Booker's stellar performance, few other ladies shined in the white and blue of Nevada. Amani Lacey had 14 points, 7 rebounds, and only 16 minutes of action. Off the bench, Marguerite Effa went 7 for 11 from the field for 18 points and 12 rebounds for her first double-double of the season. Coming off the bench, that's kind of crazy. Nia Alexander almost joined Effa with a double-double of her own with 13 points and 9 rebounds, just barely missing that double-double mark. Nevada dominated the second-chance points 24-9. to That was definitely accustomed to that rebound that we won. Nevada also dominated down low with 48 of the team's total, 84 points in the paint. We didn't shoot very well, that is for sure. Definitely not, I mean, not even scoring a three-point basket, but definitely making things work through down low and just the rebounds battle. Although the packs scored consistently down low, the packs field goal percentage was only 38%, a number that obviously we'd like to see increase as the games go on. 
On the not-so-good side of things for this young team, we see them with 21 turnovers, which was seven more than they had against St. Mary's. Ten different ladies scored in the game for the pack, with four being double digits, kind of spreading it all over the court. That's Amanda Levin saying, you know, anyone can really start. Anyone can take control of this team. Looking ahead, Nevada will hit the road for the first time in the 2019-20 season when it travels to Orem, Utah, to take on Utah Valley this Saturday, November 16th at 1. We'll obviously preview this game come Friday. Who impressed you most against this Sac State team? I mean, there was a lot of different pieces, obviously four scoring in double digits, but we didn't shoot that well. We'll like to obviously see that go up, but who ultimately impressed you most over the weekend? I mean, obviously, besides Essence Booker, I'm going to go with Monty Lacey. Just the production she yeah. had in that starting role. I mean, 14 points, 16 minutes of action. She yeah. had seven rebounds. Crazy. You know, that's something that's pretty hard to do in mm-hmm. the limited minutes that she was getting. So props to her. I mean, that efficiency, being on the court, knowing the awareness, pulling down all the rebounds, and like you said, that was huge in that game. It's something that she should really tip her cap on this game. So yeah, props to her. I think that was kind of the performance that really kind of stood out to me the most. And talk about 10 players that can start Marguerite Effa and Imani Lacey go back and forth they're the definitely the quote-unquote big men of this team and Marguerite Effa coming off the bench 7 for 11 from the field 18 points 12 rebounds double double coming off the bench I mean if you want to take Imani Lacey have her come off the bench Marguerite Effa could start truly I mean there's 10 different people that could start on this team and to have that kind of production coming off the bench is huge I mean, people get in foul trouble, then you could just simply just sub one in and Marguerite Effa can come in and she'll drop seven from 11 from the field and 12 rebounds. I mean, this team is very impressive and I think people need to continue watching this team. I don't know how long we can stay undefeated. I hope it's for a very long time, but one of the keys for Amanda Levins and this team was to have a winning record going into the conference season and they have set themselves up really nicely for this 2-0 start. Utah Valley shouldn't be the toughest of teams. We should see this record increased to 3-0 and I think with this team I mean sky's the limit I truly think we can have so many people starting and uh, I just want to see what they can do on Saturday yeah I mean it's it's a great problem to have when you have 10 ladies that can really start for this team and with some teams you kind of see a lag between starters and bench players you see kind of a drop down in performance and with this team you don't see it at all it's when we start making big you know platoon swaps big substitutions the scoring is as efficient as it was with the starters with the bench players so I mean it's something that's actually really special for any team to be put in that situation to have you know this talented of a group and this equally you know matched talent up in between these ladies but it's really fun to watch I agree with you people need to get out to see this team if you haven't already it's an amazing team and I think they are going to be something special this year Obviously, the Saturday game, we'll be able to preview it in depth on Friday, but we should see them get the dub and go to 3-0 and on the season. But men's basketball, they joined the ladies in getting the win this past weekend. We played LMU on Saturday. Huge game. We beat LMU on Saturday, 72-67. to Probably closer than we would have liked. That is for sure. But Lindsey Drew who the first game was our leading scorer, LMU leading scorer. If Jalen Harris doesn't come back tonight, even if he probably does, I think against UT Arlington, Lindsey Drew is going to be our leading scorer. He has just been, I mean, everywhere at all times, absolutely showing out on his senior season, not missing a beat from those couple surgeries that he had, and just looking like a whole new basketball player, honestly. Lindsey Drew has been named the Mountain West Player of the Week for his play in the Wolfpack's two games this season. He averaged 27 points, 7.5 rebounds, 
and seven and a half assists in their first two games of the season. Huge night in his first regular season game since February 14th when he ruptured his Achilles against Boise State. In his 100th game, he in his 94th start, a career-high 30 points against that Utah game on Tuesday. He had a new career-high by halftime with 18 points, which his previous high was 17 against UNLV, so got that with 18 before half, 12 for 19 from the field, 5 for 9 from three-point. I mean, he just came up, pulled up, would shoot the ball out of nowhere, and it would go in. We didn't definitely didn't see that two years ago, and we're seeing it now, which is kind of crazy and really awesome to see with especially with Jalen out right now. Uh, in the Pac's win against LMU, he scored a game-high 24 points in that 72-67 win. Drew just missed a double-double as he tied for game honors with nine rebounds. He also dished out a game-high seven assists. Few standout performances from that LMU game, though. Obviously, Lindsey Drew, but really Jazz Johnson really came into his own as well. Jazz seemed to find his shooting stroke after struggling in the Utah game. In 39 minutes of action, Jazz had 20 points, 6 for 13 shooting from the field, 4 for 10 from 3, and 5 rebounds. Didn't really have the best game shooting under 50%, but really still showed out with 20 points. We tweeted after the game, really, who else is going to step up besides Lindsey Drew? Jazz Johnson kind of stepped up in this game. We just want to see a more efficient game. He, he really was poised for a huge game. Shot 10 threes, but he only made yeah. four of them. One of the keys... After the game was Steve Alford saying he hopes that Jazz shoots 10 threes a game. Like, we need to. We need to have that kind of productivity. And uh, he's obviously probably the best shooter on this team, so we need him shooting at least 10 threes. Lindsey, as we all know, had a great game, but the unsung hero for the LMU game was John Carlos Reyes. 10 points, 5 or 6 shooting, 2 rebounds. We obviously want to see that rebounds go up, but to give some scoring productivity was great to see him really move down low on the block, get that left-handed hook shot, get that right. I mean, he was just, he couldn't be stopped. He's so tall and he has that such a silky smooth, like the hook shot's just incredible. No one can stop him. He's too tall. But the two rebounds, we kind of want to see that go up a little bit. Only three bench points from the pack as they only played an eight-man rotation throughout the game. It was kind of weird. It was like almost a flashback. Yeah. It's a muscleman era. Bad like, flashbacks. Like three bench points. What, must coach in the team? We have a six-man rotation again? He come back? Yeah, but just some injuries and people not playing the best. We have an eight-man rotation. KJ Himes off the bench also had four of the team's five blocks. Absolutely huge on defense. As a team, Nevada only shot 42% from the field with a 23% mark from beyond the art. Ideally, you would like to see those numbers go up a little bit as we obviously start playing some tougher opponents. We got USC... Only 11 turnovers on the game as well, which is the second most, including exhibition games this year. We got to trim that down just a little bit. But all in all, a huge game, a great game against LMU on the boards too, which was kind of cool to see. Out-rebounded LMU 40-3. to Rebounding was a point of emphasis after that first game, and now I was, we were harping on it. We got to get rebounding. We got to get some production, and we out-rebounded them 40-30. to We'd like to see John Carlos get a few rebounds as well. But tonight, we got UT Arlington. In a couple hours, actually, we're going to be playing them. We might see Jalen Harris, which is kind of crazy. I would say hold him out to USC. I mean, there's really no reason to play him against UT Arlington. But John Rothstein tweeted he is probable, according to Coach Alford. Chris Murray also tweeted that he practiced in full contact yesterday on Monday. So hopefully he'll be able to we'll be able to see him this game. But I would personally say hold him out to USC. You, you, there's really no reason to force the issue. If he got hurt again, that'd be kind of you know a huge blow going into the bulk of the season. UNT is 2-0 on the season with wins over 
UT Dallas and Tulsa picked to finish second in the Sun Belt. This could be a March Madness team. This is a legit March Madness team that we're going to face tonight. They returned four out of the top five scores from this year. All four are listed six, four or smaller, thanks to the GOAT, Chris Murray, tweeting that preview. I did not know that stat. That's a crazy stat. They, they are not a big team at all. Their defense is pretty good, forcing teams to 30% from the field, 25% from three-point line. One key looking at the UT Arlington game is getting the tempo up which is something that we like to do. We like to throw the ball after rebounds, get this tempo up. Thanks to the stat pointed out by the GOAT, Chris Murray, UT ranks 289th in D1 basketball in adjusted tempo, according to Kempom. We are 37, so pushing the tempo could be huge. Another key for me would get someone other than Lindsey Drew going. We saw Jazz drop 20 points against LMU, but to see Nizre, maybe Zane, maybe John Carlos, Maybe even Kane Milling. Someone just to get this offense going besides Lindsey, take some pressure off his back, and uh, you know, just give him a little bit more room to breathe. Someone other than Lindsey and Jazz, please step up tonight to give us that extra boost we need on offense. What are some keys you're looking at against this UT Arlington game? Yeah, I mean, solid defense for sure. We need to keep playing, you know, pretty decent defense. I mean, like you said, this could be a March Madness team, so it's gonna be a decent test for us. Probably not the best preseason test, but someone that Maybe the casual fan doesn't really know about, you know, little old UT Arlington, you know, coming out and playing against us. But yeah, playing solid defense, and I agree. I think some production off the bench is um, what we kind of need. We can't really, you know, when our starters go out, um, we need to have someone off the bench that can really step up. Maybe it's going to be Niz if Jalen doesn't start and doesn't play. Maybe it could be Zane Meeks. Maybe it could be Kane Milling. KJ, perhaps. So it just really depends on... Someone, but I'd like to see some more bench points coming out of this game. Um, see the bench players kind of step up here and really kind of force the issue when our twos are in and their twos are in. Defense is an interesting point to bring up because Eugene Arlington is pretty good on the offensive end, and we really need to stop them tonight. They shoot the three ball, and when they shoot the three ball, they shoot it a lot. Almost 58% of all their shots come from threes, so we have to really get out on the perimeter Defend very well. Lindsey Drew is going to be tired tonight. If Jalen is in, he's going to be defending bulk of the load. Jay, uh, Jazz Johnson is going to be defending. It's going to be truly a team effort to stop how many threes they put up. 58% of their shots. I mean, more than half of their shots are threes. That's, that's a ridiculous stat. But they can make them. They're really good shooters, and we need to defend them very well. One name to look out for would be David Azor. 6'4 guard who plays the most minutes on the team. He had seven points against UT Dallas, but had 12 points and six assists against Tulsa, led the game in assists as well. Plays the most minutes out of everyone on the team. Definitely have to look for him. He's kind of like the, the head honcho, the point guard, you know, who really leads this team. So if we can shut him down, maybe, you know, force the ball out of his hands, force some turnovers, get him out of the game a little bit, you know, that would be huge for us to get this dub. Do you have a point prediction? This team is no pushover. Yeah. This team is pretty good. I think they're better than LMU. And we only beat LMU by five, so mm. we really got to step up for this game. Do you have a point prediction? What's going to happen? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think we take this one. I do agree. I think it's a. I think it's a better team than LMU on paper right now. Uh, we'll see how they come out right. in the first half. It's going to be interesting, kind of see that um, playing in a pretty packed Lawler yeah. hopefully tonight. But yeah, I think we're going to take it. I think it's going to be seventy four. 69. I think it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a foul free throw type yeah. game for the pack. You know, we really need to tighten up our free throws at the end of the game and really just put them away. But yeah, I'm going with 74 69. Pack takes it at home. We are six point favorites. We are not betting men. But would you pick us to cover for that six points or do you think UT Arlington's going to uh, 
come close and maybe lose by only three, two? What do you think is gonna happen? No, I don't. I'm not a big fan of the six point spread that, that seems we have. A little bit high. It seems a little bit. It. I mean, it is UT Arlington right. after all, and we are playing at home. But just the way they kind of came out of against LMU last yeah. game um, makes me kind of skeptical about this one. Um, but yeah, I think six points. Uh, you know, if we were taking, you know, the point line here, I think I take. I think I take UT Arlington at plus six. But yeah, six points is it's it's a fair number, but it's going to be close either way. This is a UT Ar- UT Arlington team who beat Tulsa by I think thirteen or twelve. And t- Tulsa, don't get me wrong, isn't the best of basketball schools, but I mean, it is a decent mm-hmm. school. UT Arlington still had to take it to them. They beat them by. A great amount, took care of business, and uh, they're looking to do the same tonight. The point total, if you do bet, is 145.5. Watch out for that. I would probably hit the over on that. I have our point prediction going 81 to 78. We win by three. Close game. I do think we'll squeak it out. It's going to be a very, very, very close game as UT Arlington comes to Lawler tonight. So get out and support. It starts in two hours. When this releases, it'll probably start in an hour. And um, so while you're waiting around, listen to this preview episode so you get a good look. Drive into the game, skip ahead a little bit. Right, yep. And uh, hopefully we can pull things out for the all-important game Saturday, which will be huge. Big time. Big time coming to Lawler on Saturday. We'll be able to preview that on Fridays, along with recapping this game as well. Hopefully we see them win. Tyler, do you have any last thoughts as we wrap up this episode? Last week, great week for the pack, like you said. Probably one of the best weekends we've had and one of the best weeks we've had of the fall season. Hopefully the men and women can take care of business throughout these next couple games. Uh, Hopefully the football team can keep riding their high off of San Diego State. Yep. Um, And let's have another great week. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you for giving us your time. And let's go pack.